thank you so much. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your giving. What, what we, listen, we, what we do couldn't happen without that. And so I'm so thankful that you pray. I'm so thankful that you give, that we can go to camp and take a bus full of kids, that we can do Ground Zero and have food and drinks. And, you know, our Ground Zero budget is bigger than most churches' budgets. You know, most youth groups' uh, budget's about $300 a year, and that wouldn't even put on one good pizza party. Uh, Our budget's so much bigger than that. And we do ministry, and it's because of you. And so I'm so thankful for your heart. I'm so thankful for your giving. Uh, I've had an incredible summer spiritually. Now, I love summer, but I've had an incredible summer spiritually. I've been taking time to be with God. I've been having quiet time. I've been swimming in the deep end. Uh, God's been showing me some amazing things, uh, some things that we're going to be doing this fall, some things that God is stirring in me that I'm going to be teaching. And uh, I, I'm, I, I want to explode this morning. I've got so many different things stirring in me. Uh, I've got to stay on task, but I've got some things to share with you coming up uh, that I can't get into this morning. But I'm telling you, uh, God's been ministering to me. I'm stirred up. I'm encouraged. I'm strengthened. Uh, God's doing amazing things, and um, we're gonna, it's going to be good. Amen? I'm going to continue this morning about uh, the Bible in two words. Uh, we found out the Old Testament is do. You had to do. You had to do the rules. You had to have, be obedient. You had to obey. You had to pay attention. You had to do everything you were supposed to do, and if you did, you were blessed, and if you didn't, you were cursed, and that was the Old Testament. It's do. The New Testament is done. Jesus has done it. The price has been paid. The message of Christianity today is done, done, done. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus paid for your sin. Now he's inviting you into relationship with him. Uh, That's the message of Christianity. You see, Christianity is supposed to be good news, right? Don't you like good news, right? Okay, good news. Man, something good's happening in your life. That's what Christianity is. I want to read to you again this morning out of Galatians chapter 3, starting with verse 13. They're going to put it up on the big screen. Let me read it to you. It says, Christ has, has is something that's already happened. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. This is the tree. The cross is the tree. Now, I want you to understand something. When Jesus died, the form of capital punishment in those days that was most prominent was stoning. Okay, if you committed a crime worthy of death, they stoned you. They didn't crucify you. But the reason Jesus was crucified is because he knew the law. And it says in Deuteronomy, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Cursed is everyone who is crucified. See, Jesus went to the cross, not for himself, but for you, and he took your curse. He took the curse of your sin. He took the curse of your disobedience. I said last week, and I want to say it again this morning, the curse in your life has been reversed. Amen? The curse has been reversed because Jesus paid the price. Now listen to it. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it's written... Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Here's the great part. That the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive 
the promise of the Spirit through faith. The moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, the curse in your life was reversed, and you're not under a curse. I was watching Christian TV this last week. Don't know who the young man was that was on there talking, and he made this statement. He said, when you become a Christian, you inherit the blessing and you inherit the curse. Well, I, I, I wanted to throw the chair through the television set because it's like I'm screaming at the TV, read Galatians, read Galatians, all right? You don't get the curse. Jesus took your curse, and it's been done away with. Now, I want to go to the next verse. I want to go to Galatians 3.26, and it says, For you are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, your sons. Now, that also means daughter. There's only one way into the kingdom of God, and that's you have to be born into it. You see, I'm a gray, and the only way you can be a gray is to be born into it. The only way you can be a child of God is to be born into it. Jesus said you must be born again. That's what he told Nicodemus. See, the way into the kingdom is through birth, and when you're born again, the Bible says right here that you become a son and a daughter, but the reference there is we're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I don't have any right to it, but I get it. Now, listen. This will change your Christianity, okay? You see, I'm not a slave. I'm not an orphan. I'm not a servant. I'm a son with all the rights, all the benefits, all the privileges. I have a key to the front door. I come in the house anytime I want to. The Bible says come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in time of need. How come I can come boldly? Because there's no condemnation on me. Why? Because I'm perfect. Hardly not. Hardly not. It's because I know who I am. I'm a son. And I have a key to the front door. I'm welcome to get in the refrigerator. I have the, I have the keypad to the gate that gets into the back where the pool and the pool house are. There's a refrigerator out there too. Okay, I have the code to the three-car garage, garage that comes up, and there's different cars to drive. I'm a son. I'm a son. You're a son too. Listen, you don't serve a small God. You don't serve a weak God. You serve a good, kind, strong Father who loves you. And it says right there that you're sons. Okay, great, I'm a son. Now what? Well, Galatians 3.29 says, now that you belong to Christ. You know, that, you know that, right? Do you know you belong to Christ? Okay, either you do or you don't, right? And you, Well, I hope I do. Well, there's no hoping, right? You see, I'm born again. I know I'm born again. The pastor came to our house. I'm 12 years old, sat on my mama's couch that we couldn't eat on or we'd get a whipping. He was able to drink coffee on it, but I guess that was because he was the man of God. And he said, do you want Jesus as your Savior? And I said, I believe I do. I believe I want some of that. And I prayed. We called it back then the sinner's prayer. And I received Jesus as my Savior. And I know that I belong to God. I know that I belong to Christ. Hopefully you do too. It says, now that you belong to Christ, you're the true children of Abraham. You're his heirs. Oh, there it is. That is one of my, that should be one of your favorite words, heir. What's an heir? You get the blessing and you didn't do any of the work. Now, you know what you've been taught your whole life? You don't get anything if you don't work for it. That's called being from West Texas. You were taught that your whole life, and there's nothing wrong with work. The Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. But <clears throat> listen to me very carefully. The kingdom says you're an heir. We were talking about it at the Driscoll house, and I was talking about how I owned some land that my mother and father bought when I was a kid, and I inherited it. I never paid a penny on the payments. I don't pay the taxes on it. My brother pays it. He's never called and said, you owe me taxes. I've never paid a penny on it, but it belongs to me. And this guy at the Driscoll house says, oh, so what you're saying is somebody else paid, and you get the blessing. I said, that's absolutely what Christianity is. 
My father paid, my mother paid, my brother pays, and I get it because I'm an heir. Listen, you're an heir. Don't miss this. Everything in the kingdom belongs to you, and Jesus paid for it. All you have to do is say, Lord, I'll, I believe I'll have some of that. Listen to what it says. It says you're an heir, and God's promise to Abraham, <coughs> excuse me, God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Three things. Number one, Jesus took your curse of disobedience and sin on the cross right here. Was Jesus mad when you sinned? You better believe it. He's major ticked, right? He's major ticked off. So you know what he did? He poured his wrath out on his son on the cross, right? The second thing it says is that he fulfilled the law for you. You see, you couldn't keep the rules. I can't keep the rules. Are you one of those people? The rules are meant to be broken. Are you one of those people? Show me where the line is so I can cross it. Are you one of those people? I'm going to dangle my toes off the... Are you one of those people? You are. I know you are. Every one of you are. Are you one of those people that when you go to Lake McKenzie and you see the sign that says the lake is closed to cliff jumping, you say, where are the cliffs? (laughs) Right? I know there's cliff jumpers in here, okay? I'm a cliff jumper. You know, you're not supposed to do that. Well, I want to do it twice. Amen? All right, listen to what what I just say. Jesus fulfilled the law for you. He kept the rules because he knew you couldn't. And the third thing he did was he placed you as a son and he released the blessing of God in your life. Listen, you don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You inherit it because you have a right to it because Jesus took care of it. I want to go now to Genesis 15. What did I just read to you? Well, the blessing of Abraham belongs to you. That's great. Tell me about the blessing of Abraham. Genesis 15 verse 1 says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. His name's not Abraham yet. That happens later. Came to Abram. And here's what God said. He told him three things. He said, don't be afraid. I'm your shield. And I'm your exceeding great reward. Don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. I'm your shield. And I'm your exceeding great reward. That belongs to you because it belongs to Abraham because you're his heir. Are you, are you with me? This isn't just something in the Old Testament. This isn't some random promise I've pulled out. This belongs to Abraham, and so it belongs to you. Now, the first thing I want to do is I want to show you two verses on why you don't have to be afraid. First off, that, that's the third one right there. You don't have to be afraid because God, your father, said don't be afraid. Isaiah 41.10 is going to be next. This is one of my three-by-five card verses. <clears throat> what do you mean, Pastor? I have this on a card, and I use it in my devotion time. And I read it out loud every day, and I've read it out loud enough that I know it. I have it memorized, and I don't have to have a card anymore. But look what this promise says. Fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Stop right there. Y'all leave it up, please. First off, he says you don't have to be afraid. Abram, you don't have to be afraid. Isaiah says you don't have to be afraid. Why? Because I'm with you. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Well, it sure doesn't feel like it. Okay, if I got up this morning and said, Vicki, you know, I don't feel married this morning. Right? The cast iron skillet would come across the room. <laughs> Amen? She would help me remember that I'm married. Amen? I, listen, I'm married whether I feel like it or not. I'm married whether I want to be or not. I'm married, right? I'm married. Okay, it's the same way with God. He said, I'll never leave you. 
I'll never forsake you. It's not based on your feelings. It's based on the facts of the word of God. Fear not. I'm with you. Listen, I don't have to be afraid. You know why? Because God is with me. Listen, when I was a kid growing up, I had a good father. Now, he wasn't a perfect father, but I, had, I was very blessed to have a good father. And I was never anywhere with him that I ever felt afraid. One time when I was a kid, we were at the Emerald Affair, and I was a little kid, and they had some balloons. And I, was, I, for, I grabbed these balloons and pulled on them, and one of the men working at the fair yelled at me to stop doing that. And I, I'm, I mean, I'm just being a kid. I'm not saying I was doing the right thing. And my dad immediately was right there, and he said, hey, uh, don't, don't yell at my son. Don't yell at my son. He protected me. He took care of me. I never felt afraid when I was with him. Now, you may not have had that experience, but listen to me. Your father, God, wants you to know this morning, you don't have to be afraid because he's with you. Then he says, don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Don't be despondent. Well, what's going to happen to me tomorrow? I can tell you what's going to happen to you tomorrow. God is going to be with you, and he's going to take care of you. Don't be dismayed. I'm your God. I love this. I'll strengthen you. Listen, if you would stop depending on your own strength, if you'd stop quit trying to stand on your own two feet and you'd lean into God and you'd trust him, your whole life would change. If you'd stop thinking, I'm going to get it done and I'm going to do it, and you'd start trusting God, you know what he says? I'll be your strength. I'll strengthen you. Yes, and I love this. I'll help you. God, isn't that amazing? I'll help you. Is there anything worse than thinking God can do it, but he won't? I mean, that's terrible. He says, I'll help you. Then I love this. I'm going to uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, I could preach a month on that verse right there, but I can't. I'm going to go to the next one. 2 Timothy 1.7. You know, if you were smart, you'd get on uh, tcf.church and you'd listen to this message again. And you'd look these verses up and meditate on them this week. And let it get down in your heart. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, this is a Power Kids verse. What do you mean? Well, we memorize this in Power Kids. The kids in Power Kids know it. And we say it. And we also do a song that has this in it. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Listen to it one more time. God has not given me a spirit of fear. Listen, fear doesn't come from God. Amen? Fear doesn't come from God. God hadn't given me a spirit of fear. What has God given me? Well, he's given me his power. He's given me his love, and I have a sound mind. You ever, you ever, you ever, I've done this, and I know you probably have to. Well, you know, I just don't know. I just don't know. Yes, you do too, no. You don't have to say that ever again. I don't know why, because he's given you what? He's given you a sound mind. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about fear. All right, the next thing he said was, he said, don't be afraid, I will be your shield. All right, the next verse I want to read to you is Psalms 512. Would somebody help David find a seat, please? <clears throat> Thank you, Megan. All right, let me read to you out of Psalms 512. I read this to you last week, I love this verse. Surely. Don't you love that? Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. Not maybe. Not if you're good. Surely. You know what my future has in it? The blessings of God. Surely you bless the righteous. You surround them with favor as with a shield. Now, what did he tell him? He said, I'm going to be your shield. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to take care of you. This verse says he's going to favor you. He's going to give you favor. What's favor look like? People like you and they don't even know why. 
You're blessed at your job. You're blessed in your home. People do business with you and your business when they could go to another business, but they come to your business because you have the favor of God on it. You get raises, you get bonuses, you get benefits, and you get promotions. Why? Because the favor of God is on you. People want to help you. People want to take care of you. People want to be a blessing to you. It's a shield around you, and it belongs to you because you're the heir of Abraham and you're the heir of God. Are you with me? Pretty amazing. Let me go to the next one. This is Psalms 18.35. It says, You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. There it is again, the right hand of God. Your gentleness has made me great. Listen to it. The first thing he says is, is God, you've given me a shield of your salvation. What salvation? You know Jesus is your Savior. If you know Jesus is your Savior, you're bought by the blood, then that salvation is a shield. Listen, man, I'm covered in the blood of the blood of Jesus, and I'm saved, I'm healed, I'm delivered, I'm redeemed, and it's a shield in my life. Then he says, my right hand will hold you up. Golly. Listen, if you've got God by the right hand, I would think things are okay, amen? He's walking with you, holding your hand. The next thing he says is his gentleness has made you great. I love that. Think about God being gentle. Lots of times we don't think of God in those terms, do we? No. No. He says, I'll be gentle to you. Do you know that your father is good? He's kind, he's strong, and he's fully involved in your life. You serve a good father. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Amen? All right, let me go to another verse. Let's go to Psalms 33:20. This is the last one on a shield. It says, we put our hope in the Lord. Let me ask you something this morning. What's your hope in? What's your hope in? Is your hope in your bank account? Is your hope in your job? Is your hope in the stock market? Is your hope in your education or your future education? Is your hope in the DNC? Ha! Is your hope in the RNC? Now, I'm not picking on any of that. Listen, thank God for America. Thank God we have the right to vote. And when it's the day to vote, I'm going to go vote. And thank God for that. But, folks, my hope is not in any of that. It can't be, right? It can't be. My hope is in God. What does he say? He says, put your hope. We put our hope in the Lord. Why? Because he's my help and he's my shield. Isn't that good? Oh, my gosh. My hope's in God. Why? He's taking care of tomorrow. He's holding me up with the right hand of his righteousness, and he's surrounding me with favor. He's surrounding me with salvation, and he's my shield, and he's your shield. Then the last thing he said is, I'll be your exceeding great reward. All right, this afternoon when you get home from church, You get on Facebook, and as you're scrolling through Facebook and looking at your 3,000 friends, you see a cute little poodle with little pink fingernails, you know, little pink ribbons in its hair, and underneath it, it says, lost dog, exceeding great reward. Would you go look for that dog? Yeah, I bet you would, right? Well, I know what you're thinking. Well, how much is the reward, right? How much is an exceeding great reward? I mean, how much would it need to be? At least $1,000, right? Maybe $10,000? You know what God told Abram? You know what he's telling you this morning? He's telling you, I'm going to be your exceeding great reward. Listen to me. God's not mad at you. He loves you. He poured his wrath on his son. And if you'll hang out with God... It will change your life. You will be blessed. 
you'll be restored. You'll be healed. You'll be touched. Your life will be different and better. Listen, the culture has no hope or no answers. You know that, don't you? Listen, if you do it God's way, you'll find hope and peace. And if you do it the world's way, all you're going to find is heartache and despair. God said what? He said, you hang out with me and I will take care of you. Don't be afraid. I'm your shield and I'm your exceeding great reward. God is saying that to each one of you this morning and it belongs to you and it's your right. I'm going to go to one more verse, Genesis 15, 11. <clears throat> I said all that to get to right here, to get right here. God hooks up with Abram and he says, hey, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you so many kids that when you go out at night and look at the stars, you're not even going to be able to count them. And here's what Abram said, yeah, whatever. My wife's old, I'm old, and we don't have any kids. And all I have is some servants in my house, and they have a kid, and his name's Eliezer. And so everything I have belongs to him. That's the way it worked. If you didn't have any heirs, then what you had when you died went to your servant's kids. And he tells God, I've got this Eleazar of Damascus, and everything I have is going to him. So whatever. You know what God says? No, I'm going to give you and Sarah a child between you. And you know what he says? He doesn't say, thank you, Lord. He says, how do I know you're going to do it? Don't you like that? Something there, right? The first thing he says is, yeah, whatever, all I have is this Eliezer of Damascus. Then he says, yeah, sure, how do I know you're going to do it? Here's what he tells him. He says, I want you to go get a ram. I want you to get a she-goat. I want you to get a calf. And I want you to get a turtle dove and get, a, get, get two birds. And he says, here's how I'm going to show you that I'm going to do it. I'm going to cut covenant with you. Now, I could preach on covenant for two months, but let me just help you understand. It's very simple. A covenant is an irrevocable agreement. In our modern world, it's called marriage. You see, marriage is a covenant, and the only way you can break it is through death. That's the way it's supposed to be. God tells Abraham, I'm going to cut a covenant with you. And it's going to be an irrevocable covenant. And it's going to be a timeless covenant. What does that mean? That means the promises I just read to you in Genesis 15 are part of that covenant. And they are still in effect. And they still have force. And they still have power to this day. And that covenant still belongs to you today. So here's what he says. I want you to take a ram, take a calf, take a she-goat. Then I want you to split them down the middle like from nose to tail, cut them, not, not in half, but right down the middle. Then I want you to lay the pieces out where there's a path in between. See, that's what they would do when they would cut covenant. Then they would lay the pieces out, and they would walk between the pieces, and they would quote the agreement or the contract of the covenant. And then they would exchange uh, weapons with each other. You know, when you were a kid, did you ever play Cowboys and Indians? My brother did this, and we would prick our finger, and we would rub our fingers together, and we would be blood brothers. You ever do that when you were growing up? up all right and that meant man we had something special because we were blood brothers okay that's what a covenant is now here's the thing if i cut a covenant with carol carol is bound to keep that covenant and i'm bound to keep the covenant if i break the rules of the covenant then he has a right to find me and to end my life because i didn't keep the covenant now listen very carefully god puts abraham to sleep it says that he falls into a deep sleep 
and God shows up in the form of a fire, and God walks through the pieces for himself, and then he walks through the pieces for Abraham. Why did he do that? Because he knew Abraham couldn't keep the covenant, but God said, I'll keep it for both of us. That's called the new covenant, the new testament. Jesus cut covenant with us on the cross, and he walked through the pieces. He went to hell for three days, defeated death, hell, and the grave, rose from the dead, and he keeps his side, and he fulfilled the law to keep your side. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Amen. So you're in covenant with God. He said, I'm, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you this promise. Now, here's what I want you to see. <clears throat> they put the pieces down, and before God shows up, something happens. Look what it says in Genesis 15, 11. It says, some vultures swoop down to eat the carcasses, <clears throat> but Abram chased them away. Now, this is where I want to finish right here. Pastor, what in the world is that verse? What, what, what are you talking about? God gave him the promise, but before he came and fulfilled the promise, Abram had to keep the vultures off of the carcasses. What does that mean? Here's what it means. The vultures wanted to keep him from getting in agreement with God. You've got vultures in your life. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's your grandmother. Maybe it's your sister. Maybe it's your best friend. Are you going over there to Rusty's church? It's really called Tully Christian Fellowship, but that's okay. All right? You know that stuff he's preaching over there? Actually, one time when she was teaching school in Amarillo, I had a little girl, not a student, another, another teacher say, yeah, I heard that God was good, but you're going to find out that he's not. That's a vulture. You're going to have people show up in your life and they're going to tell you all the reasons why you can't have what you've been reading in the book. They're going to give you all the reasons why it won't work, all the reasons in the real world, Monday through Saturday, outside of Sunday, that you can't have it. They're vultures. And you know what Abram did? He had to run them off of the carcasses. You're going to have to run the devil off of your life. Because he's going to show up, and what's he going to do? Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? Don't you just love the way pastor preaches? Man, he can tell a good story. But you can't have that because you're too old. You're too young. You're from the wrong family. If you'd have just finished college, if you'd have just got the right job, you could have it. If you'd have just got married before you had that baby. If you just hadn't had that abortion. Come on. We've got all the reasons why it's not going to work for us. And the vultures show up. A lot of times the vulture's not even anything except in your own head and your own heart. Sometimes it's us. Are you with me? If you just hadn't done what you had done, if you just done differently, you could have this. You've got to get the vultures off your life it says that he drove them off then god showed up walked through the pieces and cut covenant with him and said you don't have to be afraid i'm your shield and i'm your exceeding great reward now let me tell you how to do it it's very simple and it's very powerful you start saying the promises of god to yourself 
Father, tomorrow, Father, I thank you that I don't have to be afraid. Whatever it is you're afraid of, I don't have to be afraid. Father, I thank you you're my shield. I thank you that you're my exceeding great reward. And devil, get off my life. Now, listen, you got to say it out loud. You got, and, I'm, and it's, for some of you, this sounds really weird. I, I'm supposed to talk to the devil? That's just kind of weird, all right? It's not weird, all right? You got to get the vultures off your life. You got to say, doubt, get off of me. Fear, get off of me. Hatred, get off of me. Uh, whatever it is going on in your life, I'm thinking racism, racism, get off of me. Those vultures that show up to tell you that you can't have this. He drove, I love it, it says they swooped down. In that translation, they swooped down. You know what amazes me? I'm amazed at how easy it is for us to not believe. Have you ever noticed that? It's so easy. You see, that's what we love about kids' ministry. They believe. Man, they believe. I mean, you know, you, you get a room full of kids. How many of you want Jesus? Every hand in the room will go up, right? On ground zero on Wednesday nights, Carol will get up here and say, how many of you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues? They'll run to the front. Half of them, more than half of them, they'll run to the front. They don't know except just to believe. And if you tell them you can have it, you know what they don't do? They haven't learned how not to believe. They haven't learned to doubt like we have, right? Well, I don't know about that. You know, I, I don't believe in that. Of course you don't. Right? I, lo- I, I love it when people say that. I don't believe in that. My God, I do. <laughs> Amen? You know, I don't believe in tithing. My God, I do. I mean, think how quickly we decide not to believe. Instead of saying, I want some of that. Kids, that's what kids do. That's what teenagers do. They run to the front. Because they don't know like we do. Well, that might not work. you got to get the vultures off your life. That doesn't mean that you're mad at anybody. None of that. I don't mean that. Well, I'm mad at this person or I'm mad. No, no. It just means, Father, I thank you. The promises belong to me. And because of Jesus, I'm blessed. If you don't remember anything, isn't that simple? In the morning, as you're driving wherever you're driving, Jesus, thank you because of you. I'm blessed. It's just that easy, right? Turn off the radio. Turn your voice up. Roll the windows down at the red light. Man, Jesus, because you, I'm blessed. Isn't that easy? You don't have to know 25 verses. Don't put that burden on yourself. I got to know a bunch of Bible. I don't, I don't know any Bible. No, you don't have to do that. Thank you, Jesus, because of you. I'm blessed. I talked to a man this week, a young man this week who wants to start a church, and he said, I don't know what to do. And I said, that's the perfect place to be. Because as long as you don't know what to do, God does. But the minute you move into, I got this figured out. You know, I've been married 40 years. I got this marriage thing figured out. Right? I mean, you know, Vicky's kind of complicated, but I got her figured out, man. I know what that woman likes and doesn't like. Yeah, you, come on. Right? It's not true. Once you move out of that, see, move out of that self-sufficiency and into God, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if Rusty's crazy. Okay? 
I mean, I like the church, okay? The music's good, okay? But I don't know if what he's telling in this is the truth or not. God, I don't know about all this. But Lord Jesus, thank you because of you I'm blessed. That's all you got to do. Listen, your life will begin to change. Not because of me, not because of TCF, but because of Jesus Christ. Get the vultures off your life. Listen, feed your faith and starve your doubts. Amen? Feed your faith and starve your doubts. And you'll see change in your life. Y'all stand up. Let's pray. Father God, I love you. And I'm so thankful this morning for what you're doing. I'm so thankful that we're heirs, we're sons, we're daughters. We're not slaves. We're not orphans. We're not servants. We're sons and we're daughters. And you're a good father. Jesus, thank you because of you we're blessed. Because of you, you're at work in our lives. And it doesn't matter where we've been. It doesn't matter what we've done, what we think we're guilty of. It was paid for at the cross. Father, I pray this morning you bless every person here. You strengthen every person here. You encourage every person here. Father, I want two things. I want two things. Father, I want everybody in this room to have a hunger for you. Lord, I want them to be thirsty and to be hungry for you that nothing would satisfy. Not money, not jobs, not promotion, not success. Nothing, nothing, nothing would satisfy them but knowing you. And Lord, the second thing I want is that the light of the gospel shines into their hearts and they see who they are. They wake up and they see who they are. They see that they're a son. They see that they're a daughter. They see that they're loved. Lord, let it be so. Let it be so. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I love you. You go and have a great rest of your weekend, and I so appreciate you being here.